Hello and welcome Friartown. Today is January 25th and Kevin and I are going to break down PC's matchup versus Georgetown on Saturday. I am Billy Ritchie and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 40 of the Friar Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, joined by the great Kevin Farhar, FriarBasketball.com. And we are recording on the eve of the Providence Seton Hall game in Newark tonight. Kevin and I are going to break down our thoughts on the Friars, the Seton Hall Pirates, and some game that just happens to be played on Saturday at the Mika Mutual Pavilion. Kev, how are we feeling going into... Tonight, first and foremost, is, you know, Seton Hall has been pretty impressive, and they've certainly been overachievers in a sense compared to their non-conference play. And then, of course, we'll get into how we're feeling about Saturday. But, Kev, going into tonight's game against Seton Hall, how are you feeling? And, and you've given me a lot of insight on Seton Hall throughout the season that I think has been pretty great. I'm excited for this one. You know, and I think everyone wants to fast forward a bit to Georgetown, but I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Um, Seton Hall, we talked about, I'm not sure, Bill, if we talked about this on the pod. I'm, I'm kind of losing where we are now on the pod if we just talked offline. But um, I think what's really impressive about them is that they're just a group of seniors that are all kind of on the same page. Um, you had written about it over the weekend in your latest article. Um, essentially, they have like a kind of a four-headed monster. Um, they start all seniors, and they're really physical. Um, so they just grind you out. And you feel super quick, real, real fast. I did some looking up of stats of Seton Hall, just in Biggie's play, uh, their top four have been awesome. Uh, Kadari Richmond in Biggie's play alone, 18.8 points, 8.1 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and 20 steals in eight games. Uh, then they've got Dre Davis, who I think people didn't realize how good he was until this year. The Louisville transfer is at 15 a game. He's shooting 52% from the field and 35% from three um, in Biggie's play. Um, Dylan Idawusu, the St. John's transfer, 9.5.7.3 boards, 38% from three. And then I think Elamir Dawes has taken a big jump. Uh, the last time that Seton Hall came to PC, he was shooting 31% from three um, on the season. And in Big East games, he's shooting 47% from three and is at 16 points per game. Um, and then both of their big guys, um, they get the kid Bidiaco, the transfer from Santa Clara, who's a good rebounder. And then um, Hutchins Everett, who was a Putnam science kid uh, a long time ago, are two big bodies inside. So they don't have a, they don't have a huge bench, but or a lot of depth, I should say. But that top six is pretty solid. So tough matchup. Uh, great game. I'm not sure if you saw any of their game against Creighton, the triple overtime game. But basically every Seton Hall game has been a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, in large part, just because Kadari Richmond, I know he's a real divisive player, but has just so come into his own. And, and I love guards who are just physical mismatches. And these guys are physical pretty much across the board. They remind me so much of the 21, 22, Sweet 16 Friars. It, it, just the experience, right? Like all seniors, we had a bunch of seniors and grad transfers. There's no ego to be found on the team. They just They just play for each other and, it's almost not about 
getting to the next level in these guys when you when when you see them play they're they're almost playing they know if they play for each other and they win games that like they're gonna have a better shot you know obviously outside of of, of Big East basketball and in that next that next phase of their career and really like they're doing it winning all these close games and 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 that's exactly how I remember the 21-22 Friars team where it was a lot of close games right and, and being them dudes and and just kind of coming up clutch right I mean, Olimir Daz is, is very impressive. Like, he's a very impressive player. Kadari Richmond, he got the better almost of Devin Carter in that first matchup. He, he really has been one of the only guys to do that and kind of challenge Devin. Front court's a little weak, but, I mean, they're just kind of getting away with it. And, and, and man, you just have some key glue guys and role players who are just – they just make shots and they do just enough. Like, that Dre Davis kid, like, he is just – He's exactly what you want on any winning Big East basketball team. And he killed us. I forget the numbers, but I felt like he destroyed PC in that first half last time. Um, and Bill, to your point, they they win a lot of close games. Like that was a knock on PC two years ago, right? Like remember they they came back big against DePaul at home. Um, they were down 17 at Butler, who wasn't a great team. I mean, these guys will get to Georgetown. Um Georgetown had them on the ropes. They beat Georgetown 74 to 70, but they were down. I think it was a, they were down two possessions maybe with like under three minutes to go, at least down three points. And I thought they were yeah. in trouble in that game. I thought they built a pretty good lead in the first half. Seton Hall did. And then I thought Georgetown really did control the game in the second half. Um, again, it was a road game, never easy. I mean, it's easy against Georgetown this year because they're drawing like 4,000 fans, but um yeah, like you said, I think they've just won a lot of close games. The only game I can think of in the Big East that they really ran away with was St. John's um, last week. They kind of that was without Patino, and they kind of ran him off the court in the second half. Um, but coming off of a three overtime loss to Creighton, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Um, you know, if I'm a Seton Hall fan, I'm not too concerned about how they bounce back because they are such a veteran team. Um, but it's also not a terrible matchup for PC. I thought, you know, Bill, we were there watching the game together last time. Aduro was having his way. He was six for six to start that game. And then that's when apparently we didn't know at the time his ankle started acting up a little bit. And I think he finished like four for 15 the rest of the way or something. But Josh was kind of dominating. And I think they need him to get back to kind of dominate against this team inside because otherwise the matchups are pretty even. I love the Devin Carter matchup with Kadari potentially. Um, Dre Davis and Ticket Gaines are kind of similarly sized guys. So you know, Elamir Dawes is a is a veteran point guard, but Jaden Pierce playing really well. So across the board, there's really good matchups in this one. Absolutely. When you see the one through five for Seton Hall, it's usually like, you know, one guy with 18 points, one with 14, 12, a 10. That sort of balanced scoring is exactly how you're winning in the league these days. And yeah, they've been impressive. I mean, even the out of conference, they took, uh, you know, they played, I believe, USC and, and Iowa, um, yeah. and, they, and they and they didn't get blown out um, by USC at least. So, um, no, I think they they're certainly trending in the right direction. I mean, uh, their longevity across this Big E schedule, who knows? You know, they could end up at five hundred. But very excited to kind of p- play out this game tonight. Maybe we have a little bit of uh, swagger back, like after putting up a hundred against DePaul. In the sense of, you know, I want to see, like I wrote about, I want to see more Rich Barron. Like we need, we, I I never thought I would be as this, I'm not usually this passionate about freshmen playing, especially in a Big East calendar, but 
We need more Rafael Castro and Rich Barron just simply because of the positions they play. Rafael Castro has to take away those minutes to give Josh Oduro rest, and Rich Barron has to hit threes because until we see like a consistent, you know, three, four game stretch with Ticket and Corey, it, it could really throw us the wrong way in the plus minus at the key points of the, you know, the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half if those guys aren't making threes. And Barron's a guy who it's so critical to get a guy off the bench who can hit even if he hits one three like we saw what was it about the georgia game and uh the bahamas where he came in and made i feel like he made a big play up the balance and hit a big three you know if a guy like that came off the bench and hit like two threes it can really swing a game um and i think kind of saw it with mason last year with justin fernandez like the the staff really started trusting him more around this time i think they uh want to see him get up to speed defensively and i've, I've been feeling that's the case with baron um this year but I, I expect him to play a lot more and play a bit not a lot more but a bigger role potentially offensively um down the stretch so i'm excited i'm excited for, and rich has basically been as good as you could expect from a freshman especially the role he's been given you know he's not getting a ton of looks but i feel like when he gets him he's knocking him down consistently and i want to talk about before we get to saturday's game i want to talk about like what the friars have to do for the rest of the season to kind of be successful right I wrote about it in my article. One thing I think is really important is Josh seems a little banged up, whether it's his ankles or even a little bit in terms of like, I mean, playing 35 minutes as a big man plus is really tough. So I I really just want to see, like there was something on Twitter that I was reading that a lot of you probably know that I saw that kind of, it decided Josh is the most efficient player um, in the Big East per 14 minutes, right? Like you just looked at a certain sample size or, you know, a, a certain sample size of play each game and it rated Josh the most efficient player. I mean, Josh was literally top 25 in field goal percentage until his usage went up after Bryce's injury. So like Josh still has the ability to be insanely effective, right? And and, and really just a pro at his craft. I think it's just, we just see him kind of go, you know, it, it just the level of, of efficiency and, and play just goes down when we're hitting that 30, 35 minute mark. I just want to see Josh like he was used 17 minutes in the DePaul game. I'd love to see Josh like a little bit under 30 minutes that we could just maximize what he can provide for the team. That's where a lot of top teams are. Um, you know, I think PC in the last 10 years, and I'm not, this isn't a criticism of Cooley. I think it's more roster makeup wise. I felt like the starters here, or at least the stars, were getting huge minutes. Whereas on yep. a lot of really good teams, like the top guys are at like 31 minutes, 30 minutes, 29 minutes. Um, you know, with, with Josh, I've been hammering this all year. I think with him, what makes him so important, especially on a team with young point guards, is just his playmaking, right? It, so many times, like those big games ticket gains had, at least one of them, I feel like Josh was assisting on like half of his threes. Maybe maybe the other maybe the Marquette game too, but you know I, I, everyone's looking at the ball go through the hoop, but a lot of times it's Aduro making the, the pass that gets these guys open. So he's obviously hugely important. Castro, Bill, I don't know where you stand. I I don't expect to see a similar effort as we saw against DePaul consistently, but if you can get that every like third or fourth game, I would take that. Yeah, I I think it makes the difference between going zero and four and two and two. Corey is still finding himself. He had some good minutes in the DePaul game that seemed encouraging. Jaden has obviously taken a 
just it seems like a quantum leap forward in the past four yeah. or five games. Like I was writing about, I was like 10, 14, 17, 14, like, you know, going seven to 15 at the garden, at the garden in terms of field goal percentage, right? He, he's growing up right in front of our eyes. And it's great to see because definitely the injury slowed down the momentum and it was at the wrong place at the wrong time in terms of the season when he was starting to get a little bit more comfortable and then he gets injured, then he kind of has to reset. So, I mean, Nate Tomlinson said in his interview with Rody Vall, he's like, you know, we don't view him as a sophomore. We view him as our starting point guard. He is our starting point guard. And at the end of the day, he is growing. And I love, I love the consistency on his three-point shot now. You were the one who pointed it out to me, and I'll give you that credit. I didn't see it. I do love that he doesn't raise up too high. It, it, it's just very natural looking, right? Like it, 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 it sort of flows when he's able to create a little bit of space. And I think it could be definitely become more consistent. Yeah. And Bill, I think it's easy to forget when they blew DePaul up by 30 points, that there are any like key sequences in the game, but he, he hit three threes in the first eight minutes and DePaul had like a four point lead early. And if he's missing those and all of a sudden you're down eight or 10, like to me, a lot of times the blowouts can be a little bit misleading because the floodgates open once you're up 10, 15, it's easier to hit shots. Right. But if they're playing from like eight down, maybe it just – and they're going to win that game. They're going to beat DePaul. They're kind of broken under Stubblefield apparently. But, you know, Jaden hitting those three – he hit three threes early in the first eight minutes, and they were still losing. You know, if those don't go down, it could feel a lot different. But just the confidence he's shooting with, you know, and he's not rattling home threes. It's all net. Um, so that's been huge. Um, I think one thing I, I – it was a great point that someone on Mike Hopkins Slack channel made this week was we're going to learn so much about Kim English as a coach. I think this week, just because when Bryce went down, they're playing four games in 10 days, you know, and no one wanted to be patient and see what it was going to look like, but you know, they, they got hurt against Seton Hall and Bill checked me here. I think it was a Wednesday. Then they went to Creighton on a Saturday. So you basically have like a day to prepare without them. And then they played, like I said, four games in 10 days. Now they've had a week to kind of like recalibrate a little bit and see what they look like. And you mentioned the Rody Vault interview with Tomlinson. Um, you know, Nate basically said like, this is a whole, we have a whole new team. And this has been the first prolonged period they've had to like completely reset. Uh, and it still could take another like week or two to really figure it out. I mean, that's what we saw with Mason last year um, when they lost Victor Bailey Jr. He was a great scorer for them. They had to go in the last like six, seven games, but, but it took like, a couple of weeks to kind of like figure it out. Um, so we're going to learn a lot this week. I don't know, Bill, I know we're, we want to get to Georgetown, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about Seton Hall or PC wise before you go on to that game. Well, I mean, PC wise, th these are my thoughts. Free throws. We're, we're last in the big East in free throws. And, and, and we can't, Awful. we can't really take those hits right now. Like in, in a lot of games, our, our margin of error is, is, is very small now without Bryce watching some other teams out there I was watching Xavier Creighton I mean oh my god it, it looked very different from the free throw line it, just, just with such a small margin of error the main point is here we don't have a lot to give up on the offensive end especially so free throws have to go down that's number one number Bill, two again Bill, Bill, Bill yeah. super quick on that it's not like we have non-shooters out there too like Castro's yeah. the only guy that goes up there that you're like I hope he gets one out of two but Across the board, there's no one else that I'm not expecting to hit free throws. That's the weird thing. 
Right. It's, 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 it's definitely, you know, there is a mental component to it, right? Obviously with free throws and in-game situations and stuff like that. Yeah. Second point is really defensive intensity. And like we said, having our offense fuel the defense because it seems like sometimes when, when, when the offense isn't coming together as much in those four losses, it was really easy to kind of put the head down and not play as hard defensively, right? I get it. They're human beings. These are kids. They're not adults. They're not professionals. You know, like they're young adults trying to figure out, you know, where they're going to fit in in professional basketball. They're not robots. But at the end of the day, what we've noticed in some of these recent games is miss two or three shots on some given possessions, and all of a sudden the defensive intensity goes down. Again, we have a small margin of error. We have to keep that defensive intensity up when we're not making shots. So those are two things right away that I think are very easy and are almost getting overlooked. Free throw, free throws and defensive intensity. Really, the third thing is getting quality, efficient minutes from the bench. I don't know why Garway is coming off the bench, to be honest with you, at this point. That is my, like, and, and I'm not a hot take guy on the pod usually, but that's kind of my hot take of, like, why is Garway still coming off the bench when I feel like he could just provide so much more with that first unit initially and then bring Corey off the bench as, like, kind of a, you know, a spark plug? And yeah. I think that maybe the initial thought was the other way around, but I really think that Garway fits in better with the first unit in terms of like being long and, and, and getting after guys defensively again, more on the defensive theme. Um, but I think getting quality sort of, like you said, one for two from three, two for three from the field, from the bench will make all the difference as we sort of use them at the, you know, the kind of the middle point of the first half end of the first half to close out. Then as we, we give a little bit more rest, it'll make a huge difference to the ending unit to close out games. Yeah, with Garvey, it was St. John's maybe where at the start of the game, he came off the bench, then coming out of halftime, he started. I think it was that game. Um, and you get the sense they're still trying to determine if they should go with Corey or Garvey. Um, Kim had kind of bristled at a Brendan McGarry question. I think it was during the Xavier game about yeah. – Know, who who started in the second half and um yeah it, it feels like they're still trying to figure that out um yeah you know, it's probably going to come down to who who takes the minutes right like i don't think either garway or um uh, cory have really taken a massive step over the other um to make it that clear cut that one should start um so i don't know maybe there's some sort of analytic they have about how they're doing the first four minutes with a certain lineup who knows, but um, it would be nice to, to get some sort of consistency there. So there's some role consistency, but again, it's only, it's still only January 24th. It feels late in the season. We still have what, like 12 Big East games left. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. And to close, I want to see more Garway in the pick and roll. He has the ability to get to the basket, play a little, play a little two man game with Josh. He could pass the ball. want to see a little bit more Garway spot up and, like I said, more Rich Barron, the better. We I love Rich Barron. I just want to see Garway aggressive. You know, it, it still feels like he's a little bit in between. And I, I'm expecting at some point soon, we've talked about this before, this is when the breakout tends to come, at least at PC with guys like Ben Bentel, Alpha Diallo, this late January timeframe. Um, and again, everything was put into flux. You know, Garway's a freshman. They had four games in 10 days without Bryce. The staff's trying to figure it out, so I'm sure – the kids are figuring out too, obviously. So um, 
we'll see what it looks like now. They've had a little bit more time to figure out the rotations and practice with them and see what it's going to look like. Yeah. All right. Saturday is going to present an interesting vibe and an interesting game in Providence College men's basketball history. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. There's even been some different YouTube videos and some different stuff out there on the topic, right? I will say this. Ticket ticket prices have gone down a lot compared to where they were yeah. at uh, at the summer point when things dropped, right? You know, went from like $500 just to get into like around 100 now. So maybe the hype has kind of just come down just a little bit. But obviously this is still going to be a nationally covered game, a national story, tons of celebrity tweeters out there and, and, and those famous on X and Instagram trying to get in on the coverage because they know the magnitude of what's about to come back. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a more interesting story, right? Where you have a guy who leads his college basketball team back to where it should be. Not, and I want to be clear on this, not leading it to new heights because we have been to very high heights, but again, leading it back to where it should be after Keno left and then going to an interconference rival, right? Especially with, and I will always go back to this. This is the simple, most heartbreaking part about it. It was that after the sweet 16 run against Kansas, who we lose to the eventual national championship team, it seemed like we had cracked the formula. And it seemed like we had cracked the formula for years to come on exactly who we needed to recruit and who we needed to bring in to be successful. And then 12 months later, it's gone. Right. So that's really the big, and, and again, had a huge, was able to, you know, literally sign Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter because of, right. So yeah. to me, that's the biggest thing. And that's the biggest emotional fuel going into this game is that like Cooley gave his, you know, his tenure at PC. He stayed a long time. That's great. Obviously going to an interconference team, it is what it is. It's not great. But really the biggest thing is that we had cracked that formula. And shout out to Kim. He's been able to already crack that formula with getting a guy like Oswin to, to, to commit in his first year. Shout out to him. But for me, that's the biggest emotional piece that will go into walking into the Amica Mutual Pavilion on Saturday. I don't know about you, Kev. What do you think? I mean, there's so much that goes into it. Um, to your point about them – it felt like for Cooley's entire tenure, we were waiting for that breakthrough year. And everyone talks about the job Cooley did. It was a great, undeniably a great job. Eight tournaments it would have been in 10 years. Um, but I think it would have been hard to see him go no matter what. It would have been really hard to see him go within the conference, obviously. But they finally had that breakout year. And I remember mm -hmm. even – Last February, you know, he had this press conference when they beat Villanova and Kerr Tang was back there and they had Kayvon Mulready and Garway and Fielder coming in and you assumed Hopkins and Carter coming back. And it's like there, there were a lot of missed opportunities early in Cooley's tenure by no fault of his own with Chris Dunn getting hurt, Ricky Lido being ineligible and all these other things. And it felt like finally, like he, this is, this could have happened earlier with, with better luck, but it finally happened. It took 12 years and it just felt like they were ready for this huge breakthrough. And we don't need to go too far down that path, but that, I think that made it even more shocking that like he was there, you know, that they were, they were near where they had to be. Um, and it feels, I don't know about you, Bill, like it almost, 
it doesn't feel that weird anymore. I've watched so many Georgetown games, like seeing him with a Georgetown jacket on now, like it doesn't feel that weird. Um, I'm as someone who went to PC and cares about the school a lot, cares about the reputation of the school. Um, and obviously really wants to see PC win this game. Uh, I'm like, how much fun am I going to have with this game? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be sitting there like, Oh God, please win. Yeah, I want to do something stupid. Like, is it even going to be enjoyable, or am I just going to be sitting there like stressed out the whole time? But um, that'll probably go. That'll go away once the game starts. But that's going to be bizarre. As much as we're used to seeing now at the Georgetown, you know, whatever pullover on, to see him at PC there, just I can't even imagine like demeanor wise, what he's going to do. You know, I I don't know. I, I I'm trying. That's the thing. I, I can't even like envision like how he's going to react to like the overwhelming vitriol and like he knows it's coming. People saw his press conference after the Butler game this week. What's he going to say? You know, like he can't overhype the game too much and get his team in a bad place, but I don't know. There's just so much going into it. And I think Bill, part of the reason why probably the ticket prices went went down is this felt like a comeuppance game. Like Bryce, and not having Bryce Hopkins, like everyone's like, I want to go and see Kuliga's ass kicked by like 50. But all of a sudden, I mean, they, they got killed by Butler um, on Tuesday night. Admittedly, they, they did. But you look at their previous, you know, three games. They lost at Xavier by a point. They scored 91 points, shot the lights out. UConn, they lost by 13, but they, they kept that relatively close. And then they lost to Seton Hall by four. So you know, those are the first and second place teams in the league. Um, you know, Xavier at Xavier is a hard place to win. I, I thought they really defensively, they're just leaking everywhere. So it's hard to say they deserve to win that game. Um, but I think they're more dangerous and maybe I'm just being paranoid. I think they're more dangerous than people think, even though they're one in seven. I think they've got a lot of guys like Jay Neps can go off in, in score 30. They have a lot of guys who can hit threes and, you know, it's just there's so many variables in this game. I don't know what to expect. But that was a long, long, long tangent I just went on. I'm kind of sharing everything that's coming off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, the matchup. I don't know but where you want to go from here. You want to talk about the matchup specifically? or what, what do you, Where do you want to go? I would say this. I mean, Georgetown doesn't really rebound well. I don't, the Supreme Cook move from Fairfield to Georgetown hasn't really been that successful at the end of the day, right? A lot of their offense relies on Jaden Epps. And to be honest, when you're relying on your your main point guard to score your points, like you're you're it's 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 dead ball. You know, you're not you're not moving the ball around. At the end of the day, there's a lot of isolation and there's a lot of direct um, you know, he may pass it off once and then take it back and try and take like a three-pointer. So I think a lot of their problems this year have been that they, you know, and Dontre Styles, I feel like is trying to figure out who am I now that like I'm I'm a guy that's required to score. Whereas, you know, being in North Carolina, he was on the bench for a little bit. So in terms of Georgetown, in terms of their roster, I'm not afraid in terms of the rebounding. I'm not afraid in terms of the shot making, because I think a lot comes from Epps. Epps can definitely go off for 30, but I think if that's the case and he's, he's really scoring, I think we just put Devin on him and just put that to, you know, put an end to that. Yeah. that's. I mean, to me, Supreme cook, I think he's been pretty good. He's, he's uh, what 11 and eight. And honestly, I mean, he's on an island, though. That's the thing. That's They really don't have – I mean, Drew Fielder's been – he's a freshman. He's been so-so. But he's a, 
can't bury Drew Fielder too much, but he's still, I mean, Fielder's shooting 39% from three. Um, but I think the big thing is, like, George, on keep him off the glass and run him off the three-point line. Uh, I like Dontra Styles a lot. Uh, Jaden Epps, I think, if he played here, would probably drive me nuts, but he's the kind of guy you don't really want to play in a one hugely important game because he could knock down, like, six or seven threes. Um, yeah. And Jay Heath has been shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, he was a Boston College guy. He went to Arizona State, I think. Um, against Creighton, he hit four threes in a row in like a two or three minute span. Um, so that's the thing. It's going to be stopping with a three point line. I think really Carter versus Jaden Epps. If if Devin can do it, we know Devin can do it defensively. Um, that's going to significantly hurt uh, Georgetown's chances. Yeah. And in terms of crowd, I mean, we've certainly scored scored the knockout there i mean they, their crowd has not come to play really still into big east play they're averaging you know very very low numbers no yeah, and obviously night, we, they were like four thousand last night yeah yeah and we reign supreme i mean literally jeff goodman just put us on a list as one of was one of the top 10 obviously you've, you've seen plenty of reposts on instagram that rank us in the top 10 but actually to be included you know next to you know duke and and Hinkle and Indiana and in North Carolina, like, you know, they, we, we just continue to just, and deservedly so get a lot of credit. And, and I, I think, I think for our fans, like we've already won. We at, we have the better crowd. We have the better institution. We have the better, you know, basketball team right now. Like we've already won all these things. I think it's time to kind of enjoy this game and celebrate this moment to know we're, we're still here no matter whether our coach left or not. Right. And, and, and we, we, it's a huge shout out to the season ticket holders and Nap and everybody for just pulling everybody together as the season, especially as the seasons went along, even with Bryce, like there hasn't been any sort of break in passion or any sort of break in coming out to games. And, you know, it's, it's really just, it's very special to be a part of, um, but yeah, I, I think the game is pretty open and shut. We out, we out rebound them. We shut down Epps. That's really like, that's really the formula that you need to beat Georgetown. I'm not really worried about any of the other guys. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be an atmosphere like we've probably never experienced before. Yeah, I'm a little more leery than you are. I think they, they do have a bunch of guys who can hit threes. Um, I think it's with the way this crowd is going to be geared up, the start, and, and this is so like basketball cliche, but the start is going to be huge. If PC has a Wisconsin-like start, this crowd is going to be a relentless tidal wave. But as we know, at Providence, if things go sideways a little bit, this can be a very outwardly anxious crowd, and they're going to be on, on edge in this game. So this is a game where they go down, you know, six, eight points early. Um, sometimes that big crowd can work against you. I, I remember, Bill, I went to the um, remember the Celtics-Bucks game seven where Grant Williams hit the seven threes two years ago? Mm-hmm. I was there, and Grant Williams started off missing, like, his first, like, three or four shots. And it got to a point where, and we, we saw this with Bryce Hopkins a little bit, you know, before he got hurt. Like when he went up for another three, there was that audible like groan, like basically like don't shoot it, you know? And I think sometimes that anxiety from the crowd can kind of carry over onto the court and players can feel it. So I really do think a, a fast start's important here. Um, but I think the key is going to be Georgetown can score. It's just going to be, I mean, their, their two-point, I have to look at the numbers, but their two-point field goal defense is bad. Uh, and I hope PC doesn't settle. Like, get Devin going downhill. 
good guys going downhill. Um, I also don't know if Georgetown, I'm trying to think of the roster, really has a good defensive matchup for Devin. I don't think so, unless I'm totally having a brain fart here. And I think that um, Supreme Cook is a good matchup for Josh. He's he's strong, but he's probably 6'8". Um, and that's why I thought matchup-wise when Bryce was healthy, I was like, this is a no-brainer matchup because they had no one to match up with, with Hopkins. Um, so overall, it's a good matchup for PC. Um, but, you know, in this kind of atmosphere, who, who knows what it's going to look like. Very true. Well, we have the ability to kind of bring things back together with the huge week ahead. At the end of the day, Devin Carter has been sensational. He's scored the most points of any Big East player in Big East play so far. He's really been doing it all, rebounding, assists, just just becoming this overall, you know, just sensational friar. Like the, the, he 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 is just hit. Like we talked about years ago, or, or or two years ago now, when he when he committed, Kevin and I like it's like his explosiveness and and his ability to create from from the dribble drive and like just just be you know uses agility it was always special but now his offensive game is just proven to be he's got a, he's got a deep bag as, as, as they would say of, of, of little things that he could do with floaters and and three-point shots and driving like he can he can really do it all yeah bill i'm gl- glad you brought that up because i think sometimes like we live in this world so much that we tend to get into the super nitty-gritty that it's easy. I remember we did our season preview and some one fan was like, well, there's so much going on with this team that you guys barely mentioned Bryce Hopkins. And I was like, great point. Cause I think yeah. you know, we're so used to thinking like deep, deep into it, but we really should pay tribute to where Devin is now, you know, 22 a game in big East play is, you know, could, we mentioned Kadari Richmond is at 18, eight second, but um, you know, Devin's second rebounding 9.1 rebounds a game in conference play. Um, his three-point shooting has got to be up there, too. Uh, I, I just feel like overall, he's just been unbelievable. Um, he's played himself into, I think, an NBA draft pick this year. Um, and I think just his, you know, we 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 focus so much on what this team's going to look like without Bryce and who needs to step up that it's easy sometimes to not, not take for granted, but assume, of course, Devin now is going to play at this level, but the level he's at is unbelievable. I'm looking now, you know, he's making three three pointers a game um, in Big East play, um, just unbelievable. So we're we're lucky to get to watch him. It's a bummer that Rice got hurt because he would have loved to see what this team loved to have seen what this team team could do if he were healthy. But I'm glad you brought that up because Devin has just been a complete force. And honestly, I mean, as good as anyone here since. Chris Dunn? Am I am I forgetting someone? I don't think so. I mean Ben 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 Bentel had some crazy games stat wise um, from the forward from the yeah, forward position. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean from for Devin twenty five seven and four, eighteen seven and four, thirty one thirteen and two at the Garden with four steals, twenty five ten and three. I mean. It's just it's it, it, he's on a, he's on a run right now that we might not see for a while, and I think yeah we got to cherish that a little bit. Uh, we got to yeah. understand that like this is this is special. Yeah, and he had a five block game against Oklahoma too, you know. So like he's doing it across the board. Um, it's ridiculous, and we probably should spend more time 
focusing on it. You know, we, we're, we're looking so forward to how important each win is that, you know, he seems like that's the, the one thing you kind of just assume is going to be there. That doesn't mean we should overlook it. So unbelievable to watch, unbelievable season. Um, I guess we have another month and a half to enjoy him. Who knows what's going to happen next year, but most likely at this rate, this is it for him. So I just feel super fortunate to watch him this year. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. He has been a friar in every sense of every sense of what we what we would want, right? Um, he, to close, yeah, wait, yeah no, super ahead. quick go, go too. Ahead. He he also really appreciates being a friar. Like he consistently talks about the crowd and the atmosphere and what it's like here. So that's a neat thing as a fan too to have a star player who genuinely gets what makes this place special. Amen. To close out. I mean, after Georgetown on Saturday, we got UConn on the, at UConn on on the thirty first on the Wednesday. We are at Villanova on a Sunday. We are we have Creighton at home. We have Butler. We have St. John's. It does not get easier. So we got it. We got to take care of business this week, and um, really looking forward to seeing what Kim English and staff has been able to put together with a little bit more time using the bye week to kind of recreate the identity of this team. Yep, huge week. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening as always. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 40 of the Friar Podcast. And as always, a special thank you to my co-host, the great Kevin Farhar of FriarBasketball.com. We'll be back in the coming weeks. And as always, go Friars.